And then she was like, and we won't be able to cut away to anything. And we were like, oh, right, that. And she was like, and we're like, we have to pick some music. And I was like, oh, right, that. Like all of this was, that's why I wanted to share it on this show because it was a work thing that I really didn't, I I guess you take it for granted. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. today's episode, how is the entertainment industry, particularly in non-scripted television, changing because of the new processes in place for COVID-19 slash coronavirus? Right. And we'll point out things that you can look for that will change and won't change in the stuff you love keeping you company while you are suddenly working from home. And guess what? Our work on this podcast changed a little bit too. This is Show Your Work. We are recording our first episode of Show Your Work not in the same space. Yeah, we've actually never done this before. We've talked about it, but we haven't actually gotten to this point. But this is the reality of social distancing. We... Neither one of us has symptoms. We have not been tested for COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it. However, because we would like to observe the rules and the recommendations so that we can help flatten the curve, (laughs) all these new expressions that have been introduced into our lives, we've decided not to podcast in person, but because we want to continue to work, we are doing this over FaceTime. Which fundamentally I feel really good about. Um, I'm glad it's working. I'm glad we're able to do this. Like God bless technology. There are a few parts about it that are strange. Uh, First of all, obviously you work on TV every day, uh, but I know the way a TV uh, studio is set up that you're not really actively staring at yourself. The thing about doing this over FaceTime is that I am looking at myself with kind of a quarter second delay uh, up in the up in my own corner. Uh, you are filling my TV screen in your headphones and pajamas, so I'm going to focus on you. Well, we just wanted to let you know that this is the new um, the new work reality for us on this podcast. So. If there are some sound issues, we apologize in advance. Um, We're still trying to work out the kinks since, of course, this is, again, that new reality. Please don't turn us off. Please bear with us um, and give us your feedback so that we can make adjustments for it next time. Because since we're all uh, social distancing and you know, remaining indoors as much as possible, we're thinking we're going to be podcasting a lot more than usual. Yeah, we're going to try. And that's super exciting because God knows there's always lots to talk about. But I love how you made out as though there were going to be technical issues that would be problems to the audio. 
when in fact the issue is that we've upped our potential dog interruptions by 33 and a third percent. <laughs> I don't I, know what it is about dogs that they love podcasting. Okay, so yeah, we are so many of us, at least here in Canada, in Toronto, um, it's a ghost town. We have been observing the recommendations um, currently. I mean, the recommendations change every day. Today is Monday, March 16th. As of today, the recommendations to everyone are a lot of people are working from home, stay home as much as you can, limit contact, um, six feet away from people. And clearly, this is a disruption, if that's even the right word, or at least a new way of doing our work. And so it only makes sense to describe how work has changed, at least in certain elements of the entertainment industry. Well, it's so interesting because, yeah, it's a seismic shift. It's huge uh, in terms of how many jobs we have realized actually can be done without being in the same room as other people, right? And also uh, the ways that we can work around them. Nobody's under any illusion that the entertainment industry is the most important uh, place that social distancing and working from home needs to be observed, but it is unique, right? It is unique, um, especially when you're considering live television broadcasts, broadcasts with an audience. I did a call out on the website last week um, after certain changes were implemented to the talk show in Canada that I work on, which is called The Social, and also the entertainment news show that I work on, which is called eTalk. And I asked people, hey, do you are you interested in hearing me and Duanna talk about certain changes that might not be visible on camera um, in order to accommodate like a no audience new reality? And many of you replied and you're like, yeah, we want to hear about the things and the considerations that are the producer um, are thinking about, that the executives are thinking about. So because you responded in a positive way, that's what we're here to do. <laughs> so late night talk shows, many of them have been paused for a couple of weeks. The View as of today, which is Monday, March 16th, is still in production without a live audience. I believe John Oliver's show still taped yesterday because the new episode aired. Um, so we're going to talk about, yeah, what happens with the shows that are still in production and and what needs to be taken into consideration. As well as, I think, speculating a little bit about what may change depending on uh, how long this is in place. For That's right. example, not to go off topic right away, but I'm looking at us in our headphones with our microphones and thinking... It's entirely possible that life doesn't change for recording artists almost at all. No, right? I think that you, yeah, what? for sure. You can in a, in you know, after taking the necessary precautions for recording artists, definitely you can go into the studio, um you can record, you can release the music, people can stream it. I do think though that many recording artists including Ariana Grande, Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber have all said that they are social distancing and staying indoors. So at least for probably the next two weeks, no one is, or a lot of the bigs 
aren't sort of thinking about going into work in that way, but they can afford to, right? I just named like the big ones. Oh, for sure. And actually, uh, the bigs is kind of what I was getting at, too, that a lot of them may be big enough to have a recording studio in their home. If you have a recording studio in your home, and if it is uh, has easy uploading to the internet, you can send your raw tracks over to your sound engineer who does some magic, and uh, off you go. Yeah, so, that totally reminds me. Really? I watched... Um... I watched a, a couple of years ago, I watched a One Direction documentary and they were on tour, but they were also recording their album at the same time. So they would turn their hotel rooms and hotel suites into recording studios and record new tracks from there. So it's actually quite amazing these days that everything can be mobile. And here's my requisite mention. BTS does a lot of this too. There's a lot of footage of BTS out there. I can see you closing your eyes and taking a deep breath and trying to suppress your irritation, Duanna. But BTS does a lot of um, remote recording where they don't have to go actually into a studio because a lot of the equipment that their sound engineer, because a lot of the equipment their sound engineers bring with them. Yeah, but what that brings us to is that really what we're talking about within the entertainment world is uh, writers can write, writers can still type, uh, people who work specifically in audio, which is either uh, BTS or us, depending on what avenue you're talking about, can still theoretically record audio that is, uh, you know, more or less on, on a par to be able to be used. What is the real issue, as you pointed out, is shows that involve a large gathering of people. And that involves both, uh, you know, scripted shows where there's a hundred and some odd person crew and uh, live shows as well, which also don't have that live studio audience anymore. That's right. So do you want to start with scripted or non-scripted first? I mean, the short story, I guess I should say scripted is a shorter story. Uh, most shows are somewhere in the process of shutting down. Uh, and those that aren't either, some aren't announcing that they're closing down. Uh, and those that aren't will will soon be finished. It's, As of today. You know, for every person that you see on screen, there are a minimum of 45 to 50 people backstage. Now, ironically... They're on sound stages, which means they can sometimes create uh, six feet of social distance with no problem, but not when you're doing a kissing scene, not when you're doing somebody's makeup, uh, not when you are actually the audio person hooking them up to be mics, which means you are necessarily, you know, interacting with your lead actress's bra. So it's a kind of a, a it's a simple decision, right, to close that down because a lot of the ways that those productions are made right now are necessarily involve a lot of physical contact. So those are being shut down. Most the of them. interesting part, sorry, go on. Yeah. As of today, actually, I just read that the crown is still in production. Now that's as of today, it's Monday, March 16th. Um, and they're in the UK. It, we don't know if that's going to change by the time you hear this. Apparently, they're really close to finishing, I think it's season four. Um, so, you know, that's that's their business decision. But 
a lot of them. Yeah. Riverdale shut down. I mean, the morning show shut down. There are, there are so many that suspended production. Yeah. I mean, I was going to make kind of a meta joke about whether the crown is uh, allowed to stay in production because of how much social distancing the Royal family keeps at any time. (laughs) That was maybe low hanging fruit uh, to make that joke. But uh, yeah, by and large, if shows haven't shut down or haven't announced they're shutting down, a scripted show, it's very much imminent. You know what I was thinking about? Um, So in scripted TV, and you would know this, or scripted anything, you would know this more than anything else, um, because most of the time things don't shoot chronologically, continuity is a big deal, right? And Oh, yeah. So when we're talking about continuity, and this is the- I just got exactly where you're going. I I, I don't know, know if you are here. getting what I'm doing, uh, what I'm saying. But okay, let's say you're shooting a movie scripted or a series scripted. And again, continuity is an issue because you don't shoot chronologically. Well, right now we're all being told social distancing bad uh, or no social distancing good. So, you know, stay at home. Don't go out unnecessarily. That means beauty treatments, uh-huh. right? That means beauty yeah. treatments. And so let's say, and this is like totally normal. You're an actor, male or female, you get beauty treatments. That includes like facials and Botox, even your hair. And then everything is suspended for what? Fucking three months. You haven't been able to go get your treatments. Like, how do you get your face back to like, right when you suspended production? Well, I mean, it's a great question. Uh, And I mean, the short story is that there's a part of production that is called prep. And I think any production that shuts down this much, prep is usually, at at a minimum, it is the length of an episode before you start shooting. So say an episode takes nine days to shoot, you get nine days of prep before that. So in theory, that's enough time to... Yeah, get your eyebrows done and bleach your hair back to where it used to be and so forth. I thought you were going to get to uh, a different version of a shallow reaction, which is that if everybody's around at home and not going to their orange theory classes or whatever, uh, that there can be real bodily changes that you can't fix in half a day in a salon, right? And uh, I was actually thinking about, there's uh, an actress who shall remain nameless, and it'll be clear why in a minute, but she talks about how she was on some movie, and they handed it into the studio, and then months later, the studio decided that they wanted reshoots, and she was in, like, you know, actress shape when they were shooting the bulk of the movie, but then after they, you know, after they sort of finished and she went back to eating like a normal person and so anyway she points out specific places in the movie where you know (laughs) she goes to like she goes to open the door at one weight and then she says I walk in the door I'm 22 pounds heavier uh, because that was the gap there so I think that your question as shallow as it may be is is founded and warranted. And listen, as we said, this is, these are shallow concerns and 
whatever is going on with the entertainment industry right now, just to stress again, is not even close to the priority. But it is an entire industry where people make wages. It's their livelihood. We're not talking about the celebrities. We're talking about the crew members, the writers who depend on a healthy film and television industry to survive. And right now, so much of it is in jeopardy. Um, So, you know, it is definitely a bummer like in that sense, when you think about people losing jobs, people not being able to feed their families. So in that sense, um, however this works out and whenever things can go back to whatever the new normal is going to be, it's going to be definitely a conversation we're going to have to tackle. Yeah. And just before we move to live TV, I think it is worth noting that the issue with Uh, either movies shutting down or scripted shows shutting down is that often people have a calendar uh, booked several months or even several projects in a row. So, you know, let's say you shut down Riverdale, you said. And so the crew from Riverdale knew that they were going to finish in, I'm making this up, let's say July, and that after that they were going to go on to Fargo and then after that on to... Winona Earp or so forth. Uh, whenever this all gets lifted, those guys go to the the show that's going because everybody will be necessarily hurting for money. Uh, economic bailouts aside, we all know that this is a huge sort of uh, implication for everybody's finances and livelihood. So then not only are you talking about continuity in terms of how performers look, but also continuity in terms of your crew and the ramifications sort of ongoing from there, how many shows get canceled as a result of, you know, if, if again, to use Riverdale, if Riverdale doesn't air and doesn't make that money, does the studio then have the money to finance the next show that they would make uh, that some of those crew people would go on to? So that's why it's worth discussing Uh, Because as you say, there are thousands and thousands of people who just have workaday jobs behind the scenes. So with that in mind, let's move on to live and unscripted programming. Because, yeah, because that's a different scenario, right? It is a different scenario for the shows that are still in production, like for example, The View. Um, And it's been interesting for me to be involved in some conversations, given that I also do a live talk show every day in Canada. Um, Some of the things I didn't even think about until I had to think about them. Um, And while The Social and The View aren't exactly the same show, definitely we all have those same concerns when you're performing in front of a live audience. Right, or not performing. Um, Because we should point out that, yes, unscripted programs uh, are... are if you're talking about a Dancing with the Stars or a Masked Singer, they effectively operate the same way as a scripted show. They're going to shut down and bank everything when they get back, whenever that is. But a daily live show relies on, as you say, A, a studio audience, and B, reacting to the news of the day. So tell us what it has been like or what it was like. So The Social goes live every day in Canada, Monday to Friday at 1 p.m. in front of a studio audience. And how it works is we make an entrance, right? This 
you know, the audience claps and the four or five hosts walk down this like short set of stairs. And so just to sort of get real basic here, we rely on the energy of the audience. And I want to start there because Mm -hmm. when a hundred people or 75 people, or if it's a small audience, it might be 40 people are screaming and clapping it immediately jacks you up. Even on days where I'm like, uh, right? We all have those work days where we feel, uh, there is something that happens when you step into a room where everybody has made a point to be there, to show up, to look nice, to cheer. You feel a responsibility and you get like a buzz. I can only imagine what like stage performers do feel like, you know, concert performers where a hundred thousand, sixty thousand people are there waiting to see you. I mean, it's I in my mind, it's impossible not to feel jacked. Well, and it's such an important reminder because for you, as you say, some days you feel eh. And that's because that's your job. That is your daily job. You do it every Monday to Friday. Some days you're gonna feel eh like everybody does. Yeah. But what the live audience does I think is reminds you that for those people it is a special occasion they're not there every day that's right you know like some of them are it's a a yearly or or lifetime experience I've been to see I'd say somewhere between three and five like live tapings that I wasn't involved in in some way on staff And they're really special. They stand out still, you know, because you're going, oh, yeah, this is a real thing that's happening. I'm watching it happen, Um, which is why, for example, Saturday Night Live, which has such a huge um, activity and and sort of, uh, that's not the word I'm looking for, Saturday Night Live, which has such a huge sort of rigmarole to get into its live audience uh, has such jacked up people, because as you say, they're, they're having an incredible once in a lifetime experience that you have to put in the lottery for like six months before, blah, 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 rush tickets. So yes, the audience is a huge, huge factor. And often the, would you say that the excitement that you hear on TV is not faked? It's not sweetened. No, it's not sweetened. I mean, there is an audience coordinator on our show and his job is definitely to, you know, fluff the audience, if you will. And he doesn't tell them when to clap, but what he will do is he'll look and he'll see if someone is really excited about what I'm saying or what a co-host is saying, he'll, you know, make eye contact with them and he'll encourage them. It's okay. You know, you can clap, you can laugh, you can be happy. And that then becomes, I mean, bad choice of words right now, but infectious to the people around that person. And then the- Wow, you said it, you did it. (laughs) That will become um, a trigger for people around that person to give them permission to laugh and to clap as well. So it, for to answer your question, yes, it's organic. And so it's not just the energy that you get when you step out onto the studio set and you see all these beautiful faces clapping and cheering for you and they want to be there, but it's sustained throughout the hour and it actually affects the conversation. Um, when you are, you know, doing a live talk show in front of a live audience, 
there is inevitably going to be a pause for applause. Melissa or Cynthia or Marcy might say something really kick-ass and it's a natural time for the cameras to shift to the audience and, you know, show the applause to the studio or to the at-home viewing audience. And it's a natural pause that we take. Like, of course, we're not going to try and talk over the applause. Now, when you take that away, there are eight other elements in play that have to kick in. Well, I'm so glad that you provided the opportunity for me to make the first Hamilton reference of the hour. Uh, Because uh, most famously in Hamilton, the line, immigrants, we get the job done, Uh was originally, immediately, immediately, originally it was followed by whatever the next line is in the song. But it got such applause that they had to hold for four bars for that uh, break. But then they started holding for longer because the applause wasn't done and you can't hear the next line, as I'm sure you've experienced if you try and talk over the applause, right? But then again, um, you don't want to be waiting for it. At the same time, if you say something funny or kick-ass or whatnot, you're not then turning to the audience all like, eh, eh, so that they clap and laugh. Exactly. So now in the new reality, on The View or whatever shows that are operating without a live audience, and especially, you know, late night comedy shows that are still in production, you're going to deliver a joke that someone scripted, right? It's a punchline. When you land it, it's dead silence. So then it becomes finding a beat to move on from. And then it also becomes- And having a- You go ahead. You take you take it from and- okay. And it, it becomes-, becomes And it then becomes finding the new beat that you move on from. Right. And you also have to act like a normal human being, right? Like part of the joy of live unscripted TV is that if somebody makes you laugh, you laugh. If somebody says something weird, you furrow your brow, right? But if there's no laugh, you're sort of going, well, yeah, all these people I work with are funny all of the time. So, uh, you know, which ones are natural breaks versus which ones are business as usual is harder to find. So that, yeah, that's the rhythm of the conversation that changes on a live TV show without an audience where it's one thing if someone says someone something really kick-ass and it might not be a funny moment. It, it just might be like a, yeah, like a fist pumpy moment, but it's weird when you're up on that stage or at that desk next to that person to like fist pump. Like that's actually not what you would do at dinner, right? Like- These talk shows like The View and The Social are meant to mimic your brunch or your dinner conversations. And when someone says something that you emphatically agree with, you don't like fist pump them and you don't get up and start clapping. You just nod and you're like, yeah, fuck yeah. But (laughs) it's a different way to translate that on TV. So those, that rhythm of the conversations has definitely been something that we've had to think about and talk through, and we'll have to find it. I mean, uh, just to give you all an example that doesn't have to do with, say, a group discussion on live TV, I'm also thinking about uh, the daytime staple, you know, 20, 30 years ago, of course, was the, like, daytime talk show. And 
even though they were totally different, same rule applies, right? Somebody walks out on the stage for Donahue or Jenny Jones, and it says, now this is Alexis, and she says that her roommate doesn't wash her dishes and leaves the toilet unflushed. And what does the audience do? Boo. <laughs> and then you would see whoever that was, that host, like nodding in emphatic agreement with the audience, right? That's it's right. Not, it's not the same, but it's the same. It's, it's Yeah. I mean, you depend, you don't, you don't realize, I mean, of course we have always valued the live audience, but you don't realize how, how, like what a key, like a puzzle piece that is into the operation until it's gone. And you're like, oh shit, what are we going to do with, um, what are we going to do with those breaks, that beat that you have to take? And then of course this, I'm talking about the perspective of the hosts, right? The people who are talking, the people who are on camera. Yes. We haven't even gotten to the technical side of how not having an audience changes how they work. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Well, I'm so glad that you referenced uh, audience coordinators because any live show has them and they are astoundingly hardworking. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't have necessarily used the phrasing until I heard you say it, but they are encouraging people to react the way they would normally, right? Yeah. Encouraging them to say, yes, laugh, yes, clap, yes, boo, whatever it is. Um, so that's a, one huge job of trying to make an artificial situation like television turn into what is a normal situation. So that's one. That's one. And we've been around seven years, which is a long time on Canadian television. And we are in a groove. Um, we have it down without patting ourselves in the back too much. Like coming to the social is a fun experience. And between the crew and the audience coordinator and the hosts and the control room, there is a system that is fluid and smooth. And this has been a new, a completely new learning curve. So uh, what is another sort of technical aspect that you notice? Because I have one in mind in particular. So I think here, let's stick with applause and sound as it relates to mm -hmm. technical concerns. Now, when you have an hour-long show um, and you have a live audience, your live audience does a lot of the work for you in terms of giving different ranges of sounds. A conversation between four or five people, or let's say we have two guests, six people throughout the hour long show, if there's an interview or a segment about cooking, um, if you're just having a conversation and you have, let's say it's a cooking segment and you have a, um, a, an expert or a culinary expert there and they're showing you how to make pasta. If it's, if it's between the five or six hosts and the audience, then you get some sound ranges let's say 
the pasta is delicious and I take a bite of it and I make a face, the audience is going to react. And so naturally, the audience at home watching is not going to hear a monotone. But if you take the audience away, then it's really just five or six people talking about pasta and you're not getting that variety of sound. And this is why you have sound categories at, for example, the Oscars, because a visual experience has to be accompanied by that sound to sort of break up that sameness of just five people talking. Well, you know, in scripted, in storytelling, we talk a lot about beats, um, that this scene has several beats uh, and everybody argues over what a beat means. But basically, loosely interpreted, it is a moment, uh, either a turn in the situation or whatever. And that applies to scripted, non-scripted, whatever. If you are watching even, let's say, uh, a gymnastics routine, right? The beats would be, if I was describing it to you, first she did her amazing tumbling pass and she didn't even break a sweat. Then there was the incredible moment in the middle when everybody lost her mind when she did a triple whatever, whatever. And then there was the tension of the thing that we didn't think she would land. And so to your point, Audio and the removal of an audience means that those beats don't play. It's just one long monolith of now we're cooking a thing. Now I'm making a food. Yeah. Uh, or now I'm doing a gymnastics routine, which if I'm Simone Biles, is the same thing I've done all the time. Whereas when people react to the moments in your routine or to your cooking segment, it gives it like a rise and fall, like a roller coaster, right? That this is now, now things are tense. Now things are exciting. Now That's things right. are fun. That's exactly it. So when you remove the audience, our production team is toying with and experimenting with putting music underneath some parts of the cooking segment mm. or whatever that segment is to sort of break up that sound. These are the show your work things that don't necessarily or may not be immediately evident to the audience watching from home. But these are the things that, yeah, the producers, the editors, they're agonizing over. They're really trying to get creative in how to break up that, as you said, the monotony or the monolith of like just this one note. Um, so whether it's music, whether it's the hosts are being called upon to, the, you know, not necessarily fake reactions, but to interact much more so that we can, in our reactions to each other, at least be more dynamic in order to sort of not only visually provide something interesting and of course, verbally in what we're saying, but also from an audio perspective, shake it up a little bit. Let me give a real life example, if I can, uh, and please me here for a second. Did you have a first dance at your wedding? Yes. What was it? What song? Give us the whole story. Um, sorry. I, I'm thinking of two things. There's the entrance music, you know, at the reception. Uh -huh. And then there's the first uh -huh. dance. So, so what are you asking? The entrance music or? I'm, no, I'm talking specifically about the first dance. Okay. So our first dance was Sade by your side. Okay, got it. 
Um, and uh, our first dance was I Only Have Eyes for You, right? Okay. Uh, long fought to get there. Uh, pick your song before you get married. But here's the thing. <laughs> we went up to dance. I'm, I'm saying. <laughs> it's a great song. I just, you know. Anyway. <laughs> we went up there to dance. It was a lovely time for about 25 seconds. And then I was like, it's too long. It's too long. Got to get off. Don't like this. I hate this. I want to go. Because for you, the dancer, nothing is changing, right? You're just continuing to dance a not that exciting dance in front of a bunch of people. For the audience, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm getting food. Now I'm looking up at them. Now I'm talking about the last time I heard this song. But that breaking up of the monotony is, uh, that's a small real life example of what that looks like. And I bring it up because surprisingly, we're on to Hamilton reference number two. So last night, uh, so Sunday night, uh, the 15th, I happened to be on Twitter probably 20 hours a day, but I happened to be on Twitter when Lin-Manuel Miranda said that he was going to do a live periscope from his house uh, to raise money for one of the funds that's helping out uh, Broadway actors who are now out of work, right? Yep. So he goes ahead and starts singing My Shot on a piano in his, I don't know, den, whatever it was that he was singing in. But I've never seen him look more anxious because he's getting no actual audience feedback. It's everybody's on Periscope, so I'm sure he can see the like heart, 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 heart that's happening. But that's not the same as a room full of people actually reacting or or there's almost a sound to people smiling. It does. It sounds like ah, like it's not a real noise. But yeah, you know that's what it means. And he didn't have it, and so he looked kind of anxious, and it was kind of dorky and endearing. Uh, but I'm interested to see if he continues to do that, which I suspect he will, uh, whether he'll be able to adapt to not having an audience. Well, the other, you know, moving on from the sound and the difference in ranges in sound, the other consideration is the camera shot. You know, we on a live talk show, when you have a live audience, you cut away to the, you cut away to the audience, right? You use your camera, you go away from the host to get your reaction shots. And that tells people at home a story too, that the people there are enjoying themselves, that, yeah, that food really did look good. Look how people are reacting to it. They look hungry. They, <laughs> they, look, enticed. <laughs> they look enticed by the pasta or the salad or the soup, right? Um, cutting away to the audience also brings up or, you know, much much like you want to break up the sound monotony, you also want to break up the visual monotony, like so that you aren't just facing forward or, you know, in our case, you know, shooting a desk or shooting a table full of food for a full 10 minutes without transitioning to a different kind of shot that might bore your audience. You can cut away to the audience and use a different kind of visual to break up that monotony. So now without an audience to shoot at, you're, you're really only shooting the stage, so to speak. And it can be a little boring in a talk show setting. 
Yeah, well, that's why uh, cinematography is one of the things that is so underappreciated in lots of ways because on some level it is easy to point a camera at a big large studio as you say at a desk with five people sitting at it and press record that in itself is not it is difficult and there's a million ways it can go wrong but let's say for the sake of argument it's not difficult when you don't have that audience what you then have to do is create intimacy and that's where sometimes you see that through a floating camera, like a handheld that gives you the impression that you're there uh, without realizing it. Sometimes you see that camera that goes around the person 360 degrees, all of those things that create an illusion that you're there. What an audience does on a live show is essentially lets you be a part of the audience, right? Yep. You are the audience. You're just a little further off screen. Yep. But without that, you have to totally change the style of the way that you shoot in order yep. to make it feel like it's as fun. Because otherwise you're watching a stage play. Yep. Like actually right now there are a lot of people releasing uh, the Metropolitan Opera, among others. There are a lot of stage shows uh, releasing recordings of their, of their productions during uh, the the COVID uh, quarantines, which is super exciting, but they look like plays up on a stage that you're not a part of, which is what they are. And that's different than, you know, what it is to feel like you're a part of an audience, to feel like you are a friend who's sitting there watching the people you like. Yeah. And I, I don't mind that when it's, let's say, you know, I often have complaints during live award shows like the Grammys or I don't know, the country music awards where, um, I actually want the camera for three minutes to only shoot the performance I could do without like audience shots because I do want to see the dance moves or the choreography or whatever, but that's three to five minutes, right? You're mm -hmm. talking about and it's three to five minutes twice a year. That's right. And those are the stars and, you know, they're, they're doing something that is meant to be observed front to back for three to five minutes. What we're talking about is like an opera that's fucking, I don't know, two or three hours, a talk show, one hour. Um, and let's face it, a talk show in particular, it's not that dynamic. You're either sitting at a desk having a conversation or you're standing behind a table cooking. So you do need to break those shots up in that case. I mean, I never want the camera really to cut away from Beyonce, for example, during homecoming <laughs> um, and shoot the crowd. I understand why that's necessary. And she's, you know, her director's eye, we're not going to argue with. But these are two different beasts. So from our perspective, like what we're talking about here, and even Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's doing my shot or for five minutes or whatnot, there is, you do need to spice it up a little bit because whatever, he was what, backstage somewhere or in his office, you said? He was like in his house worried he was going to wake up his kids. It yeah. was as non-fancy <laughs> as you could possibly imagine. Exactly. So um, the work that the directors in the control room are doing right now and the floor directors on the studio floor to the, you know, the work that they're doing right now to figure out how to make the shots interesting, to figure out how to shoot things so that the audience at home, um, even though like if you're an audience member at home and you're watching, you might not consciously think it if you're not in our business, but 
over time, it will have an effect on your enjoyment of the show when you're just staring at one thing. Um, and so that is our fear from the other side. You know, the producers and the directors who are responsible for this, they want to make sure that you don't get to that point, that they're still providing something interesting for you to look at um, and breaking up all those shots so that in this new reality, once again, without an audience, um, the medium can continue. Yeah. And so I think uh, the serious takeaway from that is that there may be uh, substantial adjustments to the styles of some of these shows that we're talking about for as long as they're able to be in production. Saturday Night Live recently announced that they're going on an indefinite hiatus as well. Um, but the shows that are still in production, that they may look different, they may feel different. You know, I there are some shows where if you, uh, Lainey, or one of your contemporaries is shooting yourself with your iPhone and sending that in as a segment for the show, I could really get down with that. Um, but all this talk about an audience reminded me of something that I don't think I've ever asked you. Because uh, you said, oh, the audience shots, break it up, and the audience shots give us energy and so forth. But I, I think they do one other thing also. Do you think it's fair to say that after seven years that you kind of have a sense of when the camera's going to cut away or when there might be an audience shot coming or something? I will say this honestly. I don't. Um, and it's okay. not because I'm not interested or I'm not like super geeky about what calls the director is making in the control room. It's because um, for me, the way I approach my job on the talk show is, and I'm not saying this to blow smoke up my own ass, but I'm fully present. Like I'm, I'm listening to what someone else is saying and I'm focused on like, what am I going to say next? If it's a debate, especially, <laughs> and that's what we yeah. do on our show um, is, you know, we talk about like the whole thing is, you know, join the conversation. We're talking about what you're talking about and we all have different points of view and you know me and you know you, I'm paying attention because I'm ready to rebut or chime in or, you know, add something to the point. So because my head is there, I generally don't really know if they're cutting to me or if they're cutting to the audience. In fact, I have to be told, like there are some times when, and this is super inside baseball, where the my mic wire might be showing. And, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so, and I won't, see the floor director's cue or I might not understand what he's doing when he's like motioning towards his chest and I'll be like, oh, you want me to show my tits more? Like, I don't know. So <laughs> they'll come to me in my ear and they'll say, um, we're going to, we're going to take you off camera in a second. We're going to, you know, focus on Marcy and Cynthia. Can you fix your mic or can you fix your hair on the left side? Like I, I they'll need to tell me that for me to be able to make that adjustment. Okay, well, I love that you brought that up because it's exactly where I'm going in kind of the opposite direction. I think that we've all been in situations where, uh, you know, a job interview or, uh, uh, you know, a, some sort of business situation or whatever it is where you're really focused, you want to do a really great job, and then all of a sudden you have a desperate itch in the most inconvenient place. 
or uh, like you feel the sensation of something that is about to descend from your nose or yep. something, you know? Um, those are hard to navigate at the best of times, but they're even harder on TV because as you point out, they can come to you and say, we're taking you off for a second so you can like fix your mic wire, but you can't do the same thing. You can't start signaling like semaphore flags and be like, I really need to itch my crotch or (laughs) dig out something from my nose. Yeah. And in those cases, Because as I said earlier, we've been on for seven years now. So a lot of times I have telepathy with, I just said that like, sometimes I don't understand what my floor director is telling me, but that is, you know, let's say 15% of the time, 85% of the time, my main floor director, his name is Kwame and I have now a telepathy where, or where I'll just, I'll just wait. So what I'll do, and you're not supposed to do this is if, yeah, I do feel snot coming out of my nose, I'll look at the monitor. We have in-house monitors. They're called confidence monitors where we can see the program and I'll look at it and I will wait for the camera to come off me. And then I'll look at Kwame and I'll say to him or not say to him, but I'll motion, I'll point at my nose and I'll say, um, I need a tissue or whatever. And then he'll convey that to the control room and then he'll run around and then the control room will make sure that when he's handing me the tissue, the shot will be on somebody else so that he can, you know, secretly pass me the tissue and no one at home will notice only the studio audience. Now, without a studio audience, you have less options to do that with, right? Like there's only- Well, that's, yeah, yeah. right? And so you you have you've taken away one of those options. And uh, I'm sure that when you finish uh, dealing with that aspect of yourself, that (laughs) you know you make eye contact with some of the audience who now have been winked into your little secret. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And love it. Two weeks ago, so we are on stools at the desk on our show. And two weeks ago, my stool malfunctioned, and I started to sink. Sorry, is that a euphemism for something? No. (laughs) Like, you know, you can adjust the height on a stool. And for whatever reason, I slowly started to sink. And so they, I didn't really notice this until I was like literally one of the dwarves and everybody else was Snow White, right? And I'm looking around and everybody's taller than me. And I start laughing um, just because it was so funny, but- they had the luxury of saying to me, okay, Kwame's coming in to fix your stool. And they were able to either shoot around me or cut to the audience while someone else is talking so that Kwame ran up to the stage, readjusted my stool. And then by the time they came back to me, I I was still laughing. So I gave it away. Um, But had I not been laughing, had I not burst into laughter, the audience at home wouldn't have known what had just happened. Right. Um, and your show is the kind where you bursting into laughter makes it good TV. But if you are, for example, oh, I don't know, a BBC reporter uh, working on something very, very important and sober. That's right. And then your four-year-old comes swaggering into the room. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, these are all the... And you're doing your best. And I have to say, like, I didn't... I guess because we didn't have to, but Duanna, I didn't think about all of this until we had to think about it last week where we decided 
it was Wednesday last week. So that would have been March 11th. The decision was made starting tomorrow. We will no longer have a live studio audience. Um, and you know, our executive producer walked us through all the different considerations and one by one, I was like, oh yeah, right. That. And then you know, she was like, and your conversations are going to have to be this, that, and the other. And I was like, oh, right, that. And then she was like, and we won't be able to cut away to anything. And we were like, oh, right, that. And she was like, and we're like, we have to pick some music. And I was like, oh, right, that. Like all of this was, that's why I wanted to share it on this show because it was a work thing that I really didn't, I, I guess you take it for granted. Yeah. And then I think, uh, you know, to apply it also to uh, some of the late night shows that are still in production or et cetera, if they do have their, you know, their crews around or a skeletal crew or whatever, there's also the concerns that maybe don't reach you. Like, for example, human bodies take up a lot of sound. So the audio will have to be adjusted because now the same space that you're in is super echoey. Yep. Or the lighting uh, human bodies also like soak up a lot of lighting. So without that audience there to sort of take that, it could be too bright. That all has to be adjusted, etc. Um, so we salute everybody who is adjusting on the fly in these situations. And again, we know it's not, uh, you know, it's not saving lives, but a hell of a lot of people are looking to entertainment for distraction so it's kind of an interesting thing to know that your entertainment may look different. Well, speaking on that, the last thing I wanted to share is we did something different from The View. So The View and we typically mm -hmm. walk out to a live studio audience and we wave. Now, right. we felt silly doing our regular walk-on. Mm <laughs> waving to just Kwame. <laughs> right. So we decided to open the show by eliminating the walkout and just having the mini movie. That's the, the opening credits, I guess we call it the mini movie, but what is the official term for it? Um, I guess every workplace has their like own terminology. The, uh, the theme song or the opening titles. Yeah. Opening titles. So we um, decided that the mini movie would still play, but then they'd come to a shot of the sign of the social and the stairs, but we weren't walking down the stairs. And then they just come straight to us sitting at the desk because it would be like, it's, we felt ridiculous walking out and waving. The view, <laughs> the view, however, they still did their walkout and they still waved, but their cameras cut to the empty chairs. Like, I guess, because they perform in an actual no! kind of, yeah, they did. They cut to the, I guess, because they perform, their their studio is, their, their seats are built in, whereas we have movable chairs, but they still, it's like a mini theater, I guess. There. They have stadium seating in that yeah. in that studio, and yes. so they still cut to the they still cut to the audience, which there was none, but they still kept the empty chairs, and then they took their spots behind the desk. So I just thought that that was an interesting um, creative decision. We made another one. They they made that one, and then they decided to work it into their entrance. Um, but that was something that um, we ended up hearing from some audience members. 
uh, watching from home. And they were like, I understand why you had to do that, but that's the only part of the show where we get to see your full outfits, which I thought also was interesting, you know, not that the outfits, well, I mean, the visuals of the social are important. We care about fashion. We care about our wardrobe. Um, and clearly the, some people in the audience are watching for that too. And so I'm not sure what adjustments we're going to be able to make on that front. Cause we, we do feel kind of silly, even though we want people to see what we're wearing, we do feel kind of silly walking into the studio and waving at nobody or like people we've already been spending <laughs> like our, our crew guys who don't give a fuck about us waving to them. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I, I was listening to you and I was thinking about the outfits and that's a good point and all the rest of it. But I was also thinking about what I would do if I was uh, directing a show or producing a show where we retained the cut to the audience. Cause I'm thinking they can't cut to an empty audience every day. So uh, maybe that becomes a gag, you know, like the, the nightly top 10 list back on Letterman or any other sort of routine uh, thing that happens on a show. Like maybe you cut to one day the audience is full of eggplants and <laughs> the next day it's like just a row of stuffed bears yeah. or something. So that instead of being, hey, we don't have an audience, it is a gag that people are waiting for. That's what I would do. I like that. Or maybe even a gag with Kwame where, you know, because we do cut to Kwame often. Um, yeah, where, Kwame is um, like a Bill Getty or like some other yeah, uh, Gelman. Kind of, uh, quasi-characters, right? He's a bit of a character on your show. He is. So we do cut to Kwame often enough, um, but I like these. I mean, I'm writing these down because, again, I think that this is an ongoing thing for us. We by no means have it down. I don't even know if I'm supposed to be talking about this, but I mean, whatever. Um, but I, we, yeah, we by no means have it down, but I think everybody, not just us, is tweaking as they go along from newscasts to sportscasts. I mean, think about, think about the sports networks. They have nothing to talk about right now. Like actually nothing. Every sport is shut down. I, what I know about sports, as we all know, is uh, minimal. So I'm not going to give them any any production suggestions. Uh, unless they want somebody out of the box, call me Sports Network. <laughs> uh, but I do think it could be fun to, you know, see them revisit things like live calling old shows old games old whatever could be super exciting for a time I guess um yeah it'll be a really interesting time because I think not to be too uh moment in time and apocalyptic about it all but I do think that for a number of industries and various parts of entertainment is one of them this will be the place where out of necessity there are new forms and new formats born and this is when you're going to see them being tried out uh, for their, like, their baby steps, the baby parts of what will eventually evolve into a new form. So it's a little terrifying and very exciting. So with that in mind, um, we, before we wrap this episode, want to let you know that we're going to be back more often than usual, speaking of this new thing. Um, because of course we are all at home. 
Um, and we are at home binging and watching shows we haven't had time for. Um, so we are going to do an episode probably later this week um, about our new discoveries and the new obsessions that we now have, I guess, the opportunity to, to be obsessed with. So Duanna, what are you getting into right now? A teaser. The list is huge, but um, High Fidelity, the new Zoe Kravitz version, has risen to the top as something that is I'm itching to get back to my TV. Uh, so that's my new half hour that we're watching. I'm super excited about it. The pilot is a lot of it is shot for shot from the movie, so very enjoyable. Uh, and I just discovered that the newsroom, as in the Canadian version that predates the Aaron Sorkin show by a dozen years or more, has just been added to his streaming services. So I'm going to go back and revisit that. That's this week, I think, for now. What about you? So I just finished over the weekend Elite Season 3, which is the Spanish high school drama like amazingness that um, I have been in love with for a couple of years. And this, I think, will interest you. They aired season two, eight episodes on Netflix, Duanna, in September. They were already mm -hmm. able to get season three out six months later, which is kind of a, like an impressive production schedule. Um, there was a year in between season one and two, and then, yeah, season two dropped in September of 2019, and then season three just dropped on March 13th. So pretty tight timeline, and I finished all of it. I finished all of it, and, like, I f fucking loved it. And I think I'm going to move on to what you've been telling me about, which is Utopia Falls. Oh, excellent choice. Uh, and in both cases, remind me when we talk next, and we'll talk about uh, the particular challenges of shooting with teenagers and young people and why they might have been able to get that elite season out so quickly. I have, a, I have some speculation. Oh, whatever. These people aren't teenagers. Like some of them are 27, 28, but whatever. I gonna, I'm, I'm so there, sad that you're you not into created it. created our topic for our next podcast. Good. Okay. So with that in mind, everybody, please stay safe practice social distancing. Thank you for listening. Send us what you are binging. Um, we are happy to read your lists and recommendations on our next episode. And a reminder, um, our next episode is going to come sooner than you think. We're aiming to get it done by the end of this week. Yes, we will be coming at you and we all have lots of time and need for interaction. So hit us up with your thoughts, with your binge watches, with your surprise discoveries. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave reviews and comments. And until later this week, we'll be back. Wait, wait. I want to say show your work, but I don't know if a lot of people are able to work. So I'm not sure if I should say that. Should I? Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are working from home and learning those hacks. So we want to hear about those too. Show your work at home. Show your homework. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.